Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. But here I am. Moving has been all-consuming. And by moving, I don't mean we're actually going anywhere yet. Just this whole process of finding a new place. So I'm going to give a quick update. If that's not of interest to you, feel free to forward on. Where to start? Well, I think it's been a good, (laughs) I don't know what that even means, but a good week as far as this process goes. And it's not because we found anything. We still haven't, but it's feeling like something has got to land at some point soon. And that's after many ups and downs this week, seeing a couple of things, having them go nowhere or someone else has kind of beat us to the punch and feeling very discouraged about some of those opportunities for sure. But who knows, who knows, who knows, who knows, still feeling really great about the fact that I haven't been pulling listings off the internet. That's just not the way I wanted to do this. It's not the way that feels the best for a variety of reasons that I've already shared about in other podcasts. So we're completely working on ideas and listings and, you know, things that are coming from other people coming from our community, coming from past clients and friends. And that all feels really good. I would love to think that means that we do stick around somewhere close by, just because we do have so many relationships And it's really been cool to just run into people lately that I haven't seen in a very long time. So to me, that means something. I'm not quite sure what, except it's happening. Seeing clients I haven't seen in forever, uh, ran into super awesome guy that we've bought beef from. He owns a farm here and just feeling like, hey, if the universe wants us to stay, if we really belong somewhere in this community still, even though I don't think it's in Sedona proper, there's certainly other towns close by. And a few of them we definitely resonate more with and have also lived in before. So it doesn't feel like we have to stay right here in these red rocks. In fact, I think it's preferable that we don't. But again, don't know what will really happen. So I did want to share a cool story that is keeping me feeling uplifted about this whole matter. And that is, I decided yesterday, I was kind of on a a low from all of this. It's just exhausting, you know, like all of the trying and looking and thinking about it, only to have it not work out. And yeah, of course, I really do believe that then it wasn't supposed to, you know, that wasn't our house. It's not as if, oh, we missed it really, or you know, we, someone else got to it first. It's like, no, it wasn't our house. But still, the depression about it can be real on some days. So I was feeling that way this past weekend for some of it. 
And I decided, you know, the only thing I really have control over is yes, how I feel about it. But also just the support that I can ask for. So I've been out on the trail, as I always am, and just talking kind of out loud to nature and the universe and often my grandparents and just saying, hey, you guys help, you know, just just keep us sane here, guide us and, you know, protect us and help us figure this out and support us in knowing that this will work out. So it's not just like, hey, plop down a house for us. Just help me. Just help me feel like I'm on the right path, even though nothing has appeared yet. So I said those things and I've been saying those things. But then yesterday I decided to do a full on ceremony here in my bedroom, which I do occasionally just for myself. If if something's going on, certainly could do it just because. And that was amazing. So I had some trouble lighting the sage I had, which always kind of strikes me as funny. Um, You know, when you keep having a candle go out, but that's okay. I tried a couple of times and my intention for the ceremony was just to ground myself really, but also call in the energy of my ancestors and my guides and the angels and all of the other beings that I know are watching this and supporting this and holding us. And just acknowledging them and really just saying a thank you and also being as crystal clear again once more with what we really want. We have a list on our fridge that the kids and I put together of all the characteristics that we would want in a property. And so I kind of combined a few things in the ceremony. So first, it's really just calling in the other beings and the elementals that are associated with the natural world to participate with us. And that's something I learned a long time ago from the shaman lady that I studied with. So calling in the directions, you know, north, south, west, and east, and the elements that are associated. Everybody does it a little bit differently, I think. But the north for me is the mother, is the earth. And you can kind of just like imagine what comes in for you if you're focusing on that and sitting in a grounded space to call in that help. And then the West is the water. And water feels like an especially appropriate element in this because it's a not pushing the river thing. It's following the flow, watching where the current takes you and the emotion. Water is pure emotion. The South is fire and again, another very symbolic element. And these are highly symbolic all of the time, right in our in our daily lives. But fire as forging a new path, as burning up the old, everything, the old you the old whatever situation. And then the east is air and air is, well, a really cool element. It's one that I don't feel as associated with. And that's just interesting to note. I think we all have the elements that we feel really connected with and those that we feel less. And air for me is the least connected. And that's also the element of the mind. So air is mind and chatter and things coming in and out. And I would say a lack of stability, but 
that's kind of my bias. You know, air is just what it is. Mm -hmm. It's not the groundedness of earth, but in balance, all of these things are needed. All of these elements are useful. And so calling those in and then casting your circle, which really is just envisioning uh, yourself protected in as big a sphere as you can. You know, you have self protection and then you're maybe the room you're in, you have the house you're in, you have the neighborhood you're in, you have the town you're in. And that's something that I do regularly for myself and my kids is just make sure that we are surrounded in light in all cases. And that is a very powerful thing to do on its own, just to keep your energy protected and also to kind of deflect anything that would come your way that isn't as favorable or maybe anything really because good and bad are like really your perception of things, but just deflecting any kind of energy that isn't yours. I definitely have a tendency to take on other people's energies and even just the energy of a situation. That's been something I've really, really become aware of this past year. And especially since Rumi's birth that I'm working really hard on, if that makes sense, just staying in my own energy field. And this moving has been a great test of that because I can feel and see myself getting pulled out in the best of ways sometimes and then in the worst of ways. And in the best of ways, you feel good and life is great and everything is perfect. And then in in the more negative way, if something doesn't quite go the way you want and you're sensitive to that or whatever with this house stuff, you know, it it falls through or, or the deal doesn't work out, then you go with that. And so your energy is constantly shifting and changing and your mood and your emotions. And that's really a roller coaster ride that I have decided I don't really want to be on anymore. Even though being a sensitive person is something people talk about, I think, in a more positive way. And I don't think it is positive or negative. It just is what is. And it's cool for me to just realize the depth of sensitivity that I have and to work with that. So that was part of the ceremony, just that protection, that deflection, calling in the elements. And then, like I said, calling in specifically my ancestors, my grandma, my grandpa, specifically on my dad's side, because I was always closer to them and my mom's as well. And they're all dead at this point. So calling in their energy, asking them to support, calling in other angels and making a point to keep out anything that doesn't feel favorable, you know, you're not inviting anything into this circle, that's not going to be a good ceremony, probably. Um, And then when you're kind of in this protected space that you've made with intention with whoever, whatever you've called in, then that's the time to state your case, you know, state your wishes, and just kind of sit there and channel the energy and just blab out loud. There's no one to hear me. I don't know that I would care if there were, but it's definitely a private thing. And it was just voicing out loud where I'm at and what kind of support I would need and I'm looking for. And then going back to that list we made, I recopied it because I wanted to put the original back on our fridge, but I recopied the list and refined it and included some other characteristics and also just how we wanted to feel in this new environment 
and then burned it, burned it with the sage. And that was that. And then you close up the circle, kind of imagine it's a real gathering, hold a gathering, you do your thing, and then you got to clean up afterwards. So kind of undo the circle, thank all of the ancestors, all of the elementals, all of the people and things you invited in to help you invite them to now leave and bless them and just thank everybody for their efforts. So that's kind of the two minute version of casting a circle and and doing a ceremony around manifestation and just support. And that just felt so good. That totally changed me yesterday. It totally changed my outlook. And I know, I know at a deep level that that does activate stuff. Um, Another thing I've been doing here and there, again, when grounded, so you have to make sometimes an effort to ground yourself and get centered and get your energy collected. Um, Something I've been doing is envisioning like a giant ball of light. And you can literally hold this invisible. Well, I mean, it is invisible, but I'm sure I'm sure some people could see it, Uh, a ball of energy in between your hands and really feel it and feel how it shifts and changes as you move your hands and imagine with your mind and sort of your third eye what this looks like. It can be any color you want. It can be, you know, sparkly. It could be whatever. There could be like currents running through it or different kinds of light. You're imagining this amazing ball of energy and put your intention inside of it. So we always say for the good of all and the harm of none as well, when you're doing any kind of, um, you know, shamanic work like this, because, yeah, you never want to infringe on anyone else's free will or, you know, decision making. And I think that's the beauty of, of a lot of these skills that I've learned over the years is just coming back to that, like, there isn't anything I'm trying to make happen. That's not my perception. I'm not focusing on like this house and like I want, you know, house ABC and all of that. I've learned my lesson over time about doing those kind of things um, in this world of magic, which, you know, that's such a crazy fun word. But really, that's the ability humans have. We all have the ability at magic. It's just become this word that means you know, Disneyland or, or witches or something outside of ourselves. But of course, we're all capable of magic. But then we have to be really, I think, respectful, and very conscious about what we're creating, not infringing or or affecting anyone beyond what I said, which is for the good of all and the harm of none. So you make this giant ball of energy. And in it is just, to me, good feelings and intentions. And like this, um, what's the word like, integrity, like love and devotion and wanting that to be sent out in the world. Because whatever we send out, we're going to get back. So gratefulness, um, all of these things. So we're not sending out like a desire for a thing. We're just sending out love and light, essentially. And we're associating it right now with this project we're working on this house search, this whatever land search. And we're just sending that out to the universe. So my belief when I do that, and I can feel it in my body, I can feel it in my hands, is that sending that off to the universe is a blessing. It's a blessing of light and love. And it's kind of out there working. It's out there working for us and really for everybody just to find peace and, you know, freedom, especially right now and all of that. 
So I'm sharing that because I think some people are interested for sure in the shamanic path and and some of the things that go into that. But also because what I really wanted to share was that part, the ancestors calling in my grandma and grandpa in particular from my dad's side. And then today, today, a cousin, my only cousin, really, um, actually, I have a few on that side, but he's the only one that I've really ever talked to past being a little kid. My cousin texted me and I haven't talked to him in so long. I didn't even have his number in my phone. But he shared with me a three minute video he had made of my grandparents. They're also his grandparents. And they were very young in this film. So he must have access to films my grandfather had recorded when he was younger. Um, And I don't. So this was cool. But he put it on Vimeo and set it to music. And it made me cry. It was only three minutes long. He did a really great job. The music was great. And it was just a short film of my grandparents and the ones that I had called in specifically, um, this grandma and grandpa, Tessie and Sal, both uh, 100% Italian Americans. And um, this little video was must have been them on vacation, but it was really cool. It was them snorkeling. And somehow this camera was in the water. I have no idea how. So it's this cool two minute video of them just having fun, lighting up with smiles in the ocean with fish swimming around them. It's kind of like a movie. It really felt like sort of surreal. And they're so young. And it might have been before they even had children as my guess. They're probably in their 20s. And they look so beautiful. And definitely it was poignant and sort of sad in the way that things are because everything in life seems like such a big deal. And then, you know, life goes on and and you have these ancestors that have already lived their lives. And wow. So I also took it as a hello, we're here, we're listening from my grandparents, because what are the chances? What are the chances that I would get this video today, literally hours after I had done this inviting them in ceremony? And I should do more of that. And I do talk to them quite often. Um, But you know, that connection is real, I think, if we want it to be. And that other world totally communicates. And pregnancy and birth are a great example of that, because the veil is the veil. The veil is what divides this reality, whatever we think this is, right? We might call it the real world, but who knows? It's it's a dream state, I'm sure, like any other. Um, divides between this and where the spirits are. And whether they've died or they haven't come in yet, I don't think it matters. I think they're kind of all in the same place is what I believe. So, um, you know, if you're listening and none of those things have occurred to you, but you believe that when it comes to spirit babies, then it's totally worth giving it a shot. And it might be the opposite. You know, you might be, oh, yeah, I talk to my ancestors all the time. Um, But you haven't done that with a spirit baby, or, you know, maybe a baby you've lost or whatever. It's totally there if we're open to it. And I guess I'm just sharing that doing something more formal can be a great way to invite them in and their energy and their help. But you also might just see signs out and about. Um, I know with my grandparents, my grandma, the same one I'm talking about, she often leaves feathers. And that's something we've all noticed in my family, those of us that were close to her, even someone like my dad, who I'd say 
isn't a very spiritual person, at least on the outside. Um, He doesn't necessarily believe in a lot of the things I'm talking about, but he very much believes in when his mother leaves him a feather. And I, I will admit, you know, I've found them in very strange places. And so has he. So even the non-believers amongst us have some communication with the spirit world. And it's really reassuring. So uh, I'm just counting on that at the moment. I believe that these ancestors do provide assistance, especially when asked. And I get the feeling and I wonder, you know, how I'll feel when I'm on the other side. Um, I feel like they're really honored, like they're really, really honored and excited to be like asked directly for something rather than just going about their way and only coming in dreams or whatever. So ask them, ask them, ask them. (sighs) Yeah, I don't know how this got to be a talk on uh, spirit communication with ancestors. But hey, I was looking for a topic today and I didn't know what would come in. So I guess that's as good as any. Yeah. Along those lines, I guess I could share another story just because I'm on a roll. Um, Rumi, you know, Rumi, he's so sweet. He's four months now and he has a tooth and he's just the happiest, jolliest little baby. He rarely cries and he's just getting such a personality. He makes these little faces at everybody and giggles and laughs and is just this pure joy to be around, truly. So I don't know how I came up, but this is another grandparent story. My other grandparents, my mom's parents, I didn't know as well because I grew up in New York and they lived their whole lives in Cincinnati, Ohio. So we only saw them once a year. But my grandpa, especially, I have just really fun memories of when I did see him because he was a similar personality to Rumi. He was just so jolly and everything was a joke and nothing was serious. And he was always just laughing and smiling, um, a really, really special human. And I'm, I'm sure his life wasn't easy. That was the generation that went through the Depression and fought in World War II, you know, so I know that he had hard things in his life. And I didn't know him at a super deep level. But as a kid, you just witness your grandparents being in their life. And my grandma on the opposite end was kind of serious and maybe more of a taskmaster. And she had uh, seven children. So that could be why. But again, my grandpa was just funny. And life was a joke and that he was always telling jokes and and all that. So anyway, Um, I don't know how it came up somehow that we got the idea that maybe Rumi was the new incarnation of my grandpa. And we've laughed about it. And it it could be true. And it could very well not be true. But it was something that um, felt kind of right at the same time. And Ever, my seven year old, has been really into the idea. She keeps calling him grandpa, which is really cute and funny. And it's funny also because she didn't even know that her connection with this grandpa also happened. So to me, it makes sense that she was like drawn to this idea and kind of recognized Rumi as this grandpa that she never knew because, and here's another story, when I was pregnant with Ever, right before she was born, this grandpa died and he was pretty old, you know, it wasn't anything tragic. It was just old age, essentially. 
Um, and I remember being sad, but I was also about to birth this baby and I had this dream. I can't even explain it because I don't even quite remember the details, but in other words, like in my dream, it's like, I recognized that he had left this world and his spirit was like meeting ever before she came here. And I remember waking up thinking like, that is so cool. And I really wasn't that sad about it anymore. And I was excited forever to come. And I remember thinking like, she doesn't know him, but she does know him. And that was that I haven't thought of it in seven years. And I didn't think of it until this whole thing kind of became a possibility. And she was so into it. So um, I guess I'm finding just so much peace and encouragement and solace in these stories and how we're all connected because really what's the point of life otherwise, right? It's like not actually about a house. It's not actually about moving. It's these stories that connect us all and remind us that we're not alone and that even these really hard things we feel like we have to do, that many people have done it before us and they have done much harder things and that they are there and their energy is around us. And I think I'm just super comforted by that. There's also just the energy of the land here. And although I am feeling this like breakup, so to speak, with Sedona, it's not negative. It doesn't feel, um, you know, like bad. It just feels like the energy of the land here is done with me. And I'm sort of done with it, even though I'm still out there every morning. I still super appreciate it and, and feel connected and love the mountains. And there's so much wisdom and guidance there. Um, but yeah, the energy shifting into whatever's next. And the surrounding areas of Sedona all have amazing energy too. And Sedona is super intense. So if you haven't ever been here, um, that's how I would explain it. It's a super concentrated energy. And, and this is my interpretation, of course, like there are probably a billion, but I've lived here for a long time. And that's how it feels to me. It feels really intense. <laughs> it feels like uh, the wattage is is high, if that makes sense. And I think that's on purpose. The people here, I believe, are led here to do some really good work internally. Uh, and maybe I've said that's one reason the community here is really scattered, even though there are great people and you know, there are relationships. It isn't a very tightly knit community. And this vibration is part of it. <clears throat> People are here to do their thing. And then, you know, then something, I don't know, then they leave or then they move to another area. But that's kind of my belief. So um, I'm curious what the land will bring in our new place and how that connection will feel and what other kind of guidance will arise from that. The myth, and I don't think it's a myth, is that the native people wouldn't ever have lived here in Sedona proper. That yes, they were, you know, this was their, this is their land. This was their land. This is their land. But they didn't actually reside in the vibration that Sedona is because they knew better. <laughs> they knew better than all of us, you know, that have built houses here and, and had some pretty crazy experiences. Um, I don't know, I wish I knew more about that. You know, I'm certainly 
um, aware that there are people I could ask and, and that would be cool to find out, you know, like specifically what's just so undesirable about living here and how that felt to them and, and why they were in tune enough and intuitive enough to make their homes outside of these actual red rocks and valleys. But makes perfect sense to me now uh, that we're headed in, in the out direction. But the time we've spent here has been really lovely. So totally, totally can't complain about that. So I don't know how this got to be a podcast about ancestors, but I was open to whatever. And I had some birth ideas, but I wasn't feeling super strong about that. So perhaps it's all perfect, as all things are. So if you have any questions about that, um, or want to talk more, then you should email me marin at indiebirth.org. And if you're someone that's pregnant or looking for one-on-one support, even if you're not pregnant, maybe it's postpartum, maybe it's in reviewing a birth story, I'm really loving doing the virtual prenatals. We call them prenatals, but really just virtual visits. If you're into that and you want to sign up for one, I'd love to meet you there and share more of this kind of stuff with you if that's where you're at. But maybe that's not at all what you want to talk about. Again, maybe it's a birth story. Maybe it's just having someone to listen to something birth related that you've been through. And if you want, I can offer my two cents and some suggestions if that's warranted. But those can be really insightful, I think, to have someone else listen and hear the story. And I've been doing a ton of them lately. So I feel really encouraged that there are just the coolest people out there. And it's really fun, you know, to hear a story, or even in someone's pregnancy to kind of like hear it, and talk about it in the depth that they want, because we have the face value of the story, right, the story itself and what happened. And then we have the deeper layers of what was actually going on, and what that meant to the person. And, you know, speaking of ancestors and all of that, um, often and not always, often that kind of stuff really does play in because we experience things that haven't been released from our genetic code, you know, from our ancestral line. And sometimes simply the awareness can be the shift that we need. So it can be simple, it can be complicated, it can be just, you know, what it is at, at um, first glance. And it can be some other variation of these stories, you know, whether it's the ancestral stuff or the spirit world or, or who knows, um, you know, light beings and all kinds of cool things that are coming in nowadays with the babies that are arriving are of a different breed, I think. And there's also a lot of fun discussions there. So thanks for listening to my hodgepodge moving updates slash ancestor calling in. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to see you on my Midwife Monday event. To find out more details, go to IndieBirth.org forward slash live and stay tuned for new Indie Birth Midwifery School updates. We are going to be doing a free webinar soon, so April 2021, and we're going to talk about some of the details there that are changing. And I totally can let you in on the major one, which is we will be enrolling all of the time. So there's no more waiting for July. There's no more waiting for January. We want more midwives now 
and more quickly. So we've set up our system and our school to be able to accommodate women whenever they're wanting to start. So if that's you, make sure you're on this webinar. And also you could start with the beginner's guide to radical midwifery, the current address, and I think Margo's changing it, which doesn't make this the most accurate link, but indiebirth.org forward slash radical midwifery. Have a great week, everybody.